Welcome to Take a Wonder with Shebs, the show that features some of the biggest travel bloggers, TV and radio personalities and journalists from all around the world. Each show aims to take my guest on a wonder and uncover topics that may not be discussed on their platforms or in the media, whether that's the state of travel blogging and journalism as it is today, or whether there's enough diversity within the industry. Perhaps what impact technology and social media have had on content creation, or in general the impact of current affairs on the industry. I also try and find out the journey behind each individual's success, as this is more important to me than the actual travel. This is part two of my discussion with travel blogger Alex Schnee. During this discussion I spoke to Alex in detail about her travel blogging career and her ambitions for the future. If you want to listen to part one, it's under the playlist 2021. Alex, thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate your time. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on again, Shabs. I really appreciate it. I was really annoyed because initially when I brought you on for the Instagram Live, it didn't save the video. So I mean, you had a really good conversation at the time. Mm. So I thought it was only fair that I brought you back on and you told your story from the beginning. Since I've known you, you've not traveled as much, although you've done a few camping trips and stuff. Is that right? That's it. That's it. I don't think I've traveled at all since I've known you, honestly, which is kind of a weird thing. But, you know, eventually, hopefully we'll get back. Together. I always ask travelers or bloggers the question where the initial love for travel came from. So for yourself, where did it start? It definitely would have been when I studied abroad in Venice, Italy. And it was an amazing experience for me because I grew up in a small town in the middle of nowhere, America, in Montana. And I think the most crazy trip I had been on would have been Mexico or something with my family. It wasn't anything worth remembering. But... um I remember going to Venice and just being so overwhelmed by the different culture and the different food. And, you know, I know for most people, probably Italy doesn't seem like the most crazy trip, but it was for me. It was really just amazing to experience a different way of life, how people chose to live. Um, and it really was my first time away from home as well as a young person. So it was just a really instrumental part of my growth. Um, I also was suffering from eating disorder at the time. Uh, so it was a big experience for me to learn to take care of myself without my family, um, to learn to eat food and enjoy it. Um, you're in Italy. You're not going to not eat pizza and gelato and enjoy that experience so it was it was just a very um life-changing trip for me in so many ways and i still think back on it often and think about the changes that came from it so when you were younger growing up did you did your parents do trips themselves or did you go away with them or was it not quite that because as you said you're from a small town i, I have spoken mm -hmm. to a lot of americans who've grown up in small towns mm -hmm. never really left their back garden we say here i had an interesting childhood i was homeschooled growing up so i had a bit of a different um schooling experience than most of my peers my parents love road trips so we would take a lot of road trips throughout the united states and uh, we did a few to California and Arizona and through the national parks. And, you know, at the time too, I was, I was a kid. So I 
didn't appreciate it in the way I probably should and didn't have that understanding of the fact that my parents were making an effort to show me these things. Um, in terms of international travel, we did almost none. Um, but a lot of road trips, a lot of just uh, exploring the United States, which was fun. And then it was kind of fun because once I started traveling, my parents started coming to visit me wherever I was. So when I was living in Italy, they came twice to come see me. Um, my mom and I went to Spain together and did the Camino de Santiago together. My dad and I went to Iceland, just the two of us. And, you know, so once I started traveling, they started getting more into it as well, which was kind of fun. One thing I picked up there as well, you said you had an eating disorder. And obviously mm -hmm. you also said you were homeschooled. Because I'm trying to get a little bit about your personality. So mm -hmm. growing up, because you come across as a very extroverted individual, you know, outgoing, you know, no, seriously. Um, growing up, I assume once you started traveling on your own, were you quite an introverted individual at first, trying to come out of your, your shell, really? Absolutely. And I'm still extremely introverted. Um, even though I might appear extroverted, I can definitely turn it on and turn it off. Um, I love reading. I love being by myself. Um, I, I really am an introvert at heart, but what travel forced me to do was to be more outgoing because if I wanted to travel solo, if I wanted to experience these things, you do need to interact with people along the way. And growing up being homeschooled did kind of foster that introvert in me because I could just spend my time doing what I wanted. I didn't really need to go make a ton of friends because I didn't have classmates. Um, but when I was abroad, I had to kind of change that mentality and say, okay, if I want to make friends and I want to be able to go out, if I want to even be safe too, I should talk to some other people. And so that definitely was instrumental in getting me out there, um, getting me more comfortable with talking to people, uh, people of all backgrounds, um, cultures, things like that as well. And it really has helped me a lot in my life become a little bit more extroverted. And you're not the first person to say like, oh, I think you're an extrovert. And I'm like, I am not. But um, yeah, it definitely was a skill I had to learn. And I learned through travel. Your Instagrams, your social media platforms, you know, there's lots of dancing sometimes and stuff. <laughs> I mean, no, seriously, <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't even dance. So to, to do all that sort of stuff, I guess it's a, because I, I was quite an introverted uh, person myself growing up. Mm. And there's certain moments where it does change. So I think for me, it was I, actually, to be honest with you, it was more to do with uh, working part time in a, in a restaurant for mm. the first mm -hmm. time at the age of 16. I remember I couldn't say hello to someone. You're still quite young, by the way. So you've got still time to <laughs> still got time to develop as a, as a person. So I guess it's de development as an individual, isn't it? Mm. That, that helps with travel. What about your education? So did you study tourism at all? Did you study journalism? Did you study right? What was it that you did in school? When did you th realize that blogging was something that you wanted to do? Mm, great question. I, I studied writing from an early age, creative writing. Um, I went to, uh, again, I published a book at a young age. I was 16 when I got my first book contract and my only book contract, but 
that was the age. <laughs> Um, uh, at least had the contract. That's an amazing yeah, feat to have at you. sixteen, thank isn't it? It's, it's, it's pretty, pretty. Not many people can say they're they're an author at sixteen. Oh my gosh, it's funny though because I look back on that and I'm like that was almost fifteen years ago. That was good. well, not quite, but it it was a long time ago. It feels like not that long, but it was that long. So, um, but yeah, writing was always a huge passion of mine. Um, talking about being homeschooled and spending time alone, I would just write writing was something i'd sit down and do i'd write short stories i'd write um articles i loved writing reports everyone thought i was crazy but i did <laughs> um and so writing was a natural thing for me to to want to go into um i went to sarah lawrence college in new york which again was a whole other transformative experience after living in a small town in montana as well um and studied writing there very specifically and then uh, after that, uh, it was right during the time where book publishing was kind of going by the wayside. Amazon was becoming a big factor in what you published and what the publisher publishing houses were publishing. Um, so it was more shifting to the online environment at that point. Like journalism was still sort of a thing, but it was clearly headed in this direction. And blogging at the time was um, very diary oriented. It was very, you know, you write down your feelings and you just put it out there. Um, but over time, you could see that it was kind of starting to go in a more informational direction. So I I started blogging, oh, geez, like probably around 16, too. So I've been blogging really for a long time. Whether I've been blogging well or not is a different question, but I have been blogging for a very long time. So it was kind of a natural progression seeing where things were going and seeing um, also where travel media was going. And that was another thing after I had studied abroad in Italy, travel was at the forefront of my mind. I, I was like, how can I get out there again? How can I experience the world? I have so many more things now that I want to see now that my door has kind of been opened and I've gotten this experience. So blogging was kind of a natural progression and saying, okay, how can I maybe potentially make a living um, traveling and writing about my experiences? So that's kind of how I got into, into blogging that atmosphere. The thing I would say is bloggers are almost, you almost have to have like a, a piece of everything. So you have to have the writing skills now, because you do it as well you do like the videoing editing mm -hmm. i guess the jack of all trades you have to be you have to know everything don't you so in some respects you are the the media aren't you so you're giving out mm -hmm. and you also got to be very careful because when you're writing a piece on who you're going to influence and i think you know that shift has been coming for a long time where uh again you're not searching for the media the media is coming to you and that is an aspect of blogging of saying, okay, I'm immediately going to push this out there. Um, and I've definitely gotten a lot of flack from pieces I've written in the past that I put out there and uh, people didn't like, or they felt was inaccurate or, um, and that's just writing in general, but it is a way of looking at it and saying, I am a media company, even if it is a small media company, um, but what I'm putting out there can influence people and it can change how people are going to book their trips or the cultural attitudes they're going to have when they go into things. And 
I try to keep an objective perspective because I do think it's important for people to come up with their own perspective when they're on their trips. Um, I don't want to influence someone by saying, hey, this I had this experience necessarily and it was a bad one. Um, and then they go into their trip and feel like, oh my gosh, you know, I don't think I'm going to enjoy it because this blogger said I'm home. Um, on the other hand, you do want to provide them enough information that they can make the most of that experience. And also they don't go into it with blind eyes and just going into it and feeling like, okay, now I'm overwhelmed and I wish I had known more. So it is, it's finding that balance. And I like what you said about jack of all trades. And I think another skill is having empathy for the person who is researching or looking at your articles or even your Instagram posts or whatever it might be. And um, saying, hey, okay, where are they in their trip planning process? Where are they in their life? Um, how can I help them? How best can I help them in having empathy? So that's another part of the jack of all trades. I think you've got to throw in there is saying, okay, now I have to have skills of empathy as well. But it's good. Like, that's a very good thing. <laughs> so. They say vlogging is going to take over blogging. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case because there's a lot of people who still love to read. Uh, now, obviously, a lot of people don't like reading books anymore. They'd rather read it on their tablets now. But people right. still like to read, don't they? So with your blogs now, would you include like a short introduction of what it is? Or would you talk and then have the pieces? Would, would, has that come across your mind? That's a, a great point. I've done that a few times with a few posts I've had, especially uh, subjects I know really, really well. Um, Glacier National Park is, I grew up right by there as a kid. So I've been, I don't know how many different times. Um, and when I wrote the best things to do in Glacier National Park, I included a video that kind of summarized that. So I think it was a six minute video. But if you read the entire article, it probably would have taken 30 minutes. So. I think the biggest thing, again, is having empathy and saying, okay, how am I going to reach people who would choose to watch a video instead? And I do think video is becoming more and more of a thing, especially, um, you know, just the way media is going in general. Uh, video is going to be more dominant than writing, which isn't to say that you shouldn't have writing too. Um, you know, finding a way to reach Pretty much everyone in your audience is the best way to go. Um, but yes, I, I've definitely kind of truncated a blog post that I've written. And that's what I usually do is put a blog post up and then record a video just based on those points of the blog post and just kind of try to summarize things, um, which is also great because then I can link to it on YouTube or and video is definitely the, the area I'm like not doing as well <laughs> recently no, I think, I think it, just, <laughs> no you've done some quite a few over the last year i've seen quite a few of your videos you know um and, nah, I, I think I've it been... takes time doesn't it those videos and it's the edit people don't see it because yeah. you you make a video it could take it's like a 10 minute video or five minute video yeah. but the editing is what takes the, the longest and then because i these talks by the way i do that uh, some of them are you know, could take up to an hour, mm -hmm. but you've got to constantly rewatch it. Mm -hmm. And I, I have to rewatch it maybe about 10 times, maybe 20 times. So if you look, mm -hmm. if you add the hours up, 
you know, it's, it takes days, sometimes weeks to edit out a, and to make it look good for, for people to watch. And I think I always take in mind, if I don't enjoy it, enjoy it myself, why would my audience watching it enjoy it? So my husband, Daniel asked me, he said, Oh, you haven't done videos in a long time. And I said, well, yeah, but by the time I write the blog post, that becomes the script for it. And by the time I record it, and by the time I edit it, it's hours and hours and hours of my time. And, you know, it's worth it in the long run because, you know, you get people like you where I've met you through video and I've met you through it. But um, it is time consuming. And that is a thing of saying it's is it worth the time that I'm going to put into it? And what's the return on it? And you have to kind of balance that as a, as a travel blogger or a business person. So, so what advice would you give to someone starting off a blog today? Mm, yeah, I think the biggest thing is consistency um, when it comes down to it, because it's really easy to say, I'm going to start something and then just immediately jump off of it after, you know, you posted two or three posts and like this is a lot of work um it is a lot of work and it's a lot of work over a long period of time so you're not just posting something and then immediately you're going to get that satisfaction uh, most bloggers i think quit after six months that's that's the point where they tend to be done with it they're like i can't i can't do this anymore <laughs> Um, but for the people who hold out and the people who last five, six years, you're going to see a huge return um, and you're going to be able to make a living from it. But it does take a considerable amount of time. And I even noticed this going through. Um, I used to have an old blog with a terrible name called The Wayfaring Voyager, which I did for about three years. And um, I was just kind of starting to see returns on it. And I realized I hated it. I hated that blog so much. I hated the name. I did not feel proud about sharing it with other people. And so I ended up changing my name to Alex on the map. Um, and that was all the thing too, because it was basically starting from scratch. And I knew more going into it than I did then, which was helpful. But on the other hand, it is kind of saying, okay, I'm starting from square one and rebuilding. Um, so it is when it comes down to it, it's consistency. It's saying, okay, this is going to be a long process. And if I post once a week, that's better than posting five times a week and then burning out after a month or two. A couple of things I picked up on what you said there. So the name is very important. Mm. So making sure, but I, I guess one thing though, if you did make the mistake of choosing the wrong name, it's a learning curve, isn't it? So you, mm -hmm. you learn from that mistake and, you're absolutely right. I, I, one thing, when I first started doing the Instagram lives and then I moved it on to this now, I chose 50 minutes as the show's title. Mm. But then I, I, I hated it after like a couple of months. I think, no, 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 it doesn't really go with who I am. So, and I, years back, I thought about um, Shebs the Wanderer because someone there was a friend who went oh where's that Wanderer going now and I was like oh you mean Shebs the Wanderer and I was like oh actually that makes sense actually Shebs the Wanderer I might use that as a in the future but I never did until recently and then so I thought oh the name of the title I got to make it similar to mm -hmm. I guess so take a wander with Shebs it's got the Wanderer and it's got my name in it mm -hmm. people can relate to it and stuff and naming 
something is really important. So if it rolls off the tongue, it's like, oh, that that's really good, like Alex on the map. Mm. It it does help with the branding, doesn't it? And mm-hmm. well, that's another thing actually, branding as well. So you've got a brand, uh, the logo on stuff. I guess one thing I would I guess advice I can give to someone is, and it's really helped me with for mm-hmm. example with this. And again, it was you know I spoke to you about it. I spoke to other people. Think of your blog as a professional business. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do not think of it, and this is, this is absolutely true. If you think of it as oh, this is just a bit of fun, you know, uh, I'll just write about some of my stories here and there about my life changing experiences. Then you're right. You're not going to last more than six months. Before you make a comment on that, I want to ask you another question as well. With it, I've found when i've gone to brands recently when i've gone to people the biggest obstacle i've found is bloggers selling themselves for free and mm. uh, this is a big problem i've noticed actually uh, they'll just say well i can get it for free from that guy why should i get it off you how do you get people to say you know you need to charge for your time because or you charge for your service it will help other bloggers and as a business it will help as well do you not think on the long term because mm. nowadays people know advertisers know bloggers are where you go to i think education is the biggest thing of saying you know it's frustrating because um when you're first starting out you're just happy to get anything and to some extent there's someone there are some people in the camp where it's like no never work for free absolutely never work for free um and then there are some people in the camp where like you know Sometimes you need to. I'm kind of somewhere in between where if you can work for free, but you get value out of it, maybe you're working with a big brand that you love and it has a potential to become something paid or something long term, then it might be worth it to say, okay, I'll do some things for free. Um, On the other hand, uh, you know, you do want to make sure that you're getting something out of it at the end of the day that you can point to it and say, it wasn't just a free hotel stay, or it wasn't just, maybe it was a free hotel stay, but I wrote a blog post about it. And now I have bookings and I've made, you know, a thousand dollars or more, um, from staying at this hotel for free. So it's really just weighing that option. Um, also educating bloggers and saying, you can make money from this. And there's always going to be someone who can do it, who's going to do it for free. There's always going to be someone who says, you know, I, I'm fine with doing it for free. It's my vacation from work. Like, I don't mind doing it, whatever. Um, and that's, that's fine. Um, but I do think educating people and saying, you know, here's how to run it as a business definitely adds more clout to the industry and gives it a little bit more professionalism as opposed to saying, okay, I'll just do all this, but definitely making sure you get value out of it, whether it is money or whether it is the potential to make money or whether it's just being able to say on your media kit, I worked with national geographic or something like that. Um, but recognizing what value you can get out of it is the biggest thing. Yeah, well, I was trying to make, 
point was saying it, it will hurt the it hurts the industry, doesn't it? Where you work for free, then someone like yourself who's you know working so hard to to make a living. And then you go to that same brand and they're like, oh no, sorry, we're working with someone. And so that, that's what, that was the point I was trying to make. And I guess the other thing I, I just thought of whilst you were talking then, it's your uh, eventual aim. So for example, mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie to you here. So the reason why I started the podcast and stuff. So my goal in life is to become a you know, travel host. I would love to, you know, work on these big travel show programs mm-hmm. and stuff. So, and the thing they always say is, what have you got to show me so yeah. this is a bit like a portfolio for me it's like with any tv show or any like i like i know this is classed as a podcast in the podcast realm but mm-hmm. i always like to think of it as my chat show uh, on tv yeah. but it's, it's not a chat show i can't i'm not gonna kid myself but i've always treated it as like a chat show you know, with the edits mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the intro to the music and stuff so is that you were talking about that professionalism so it looks professional again that comes down to that consistency of saying you know this is a long-term goal this is a business um and as a business i need to invest in it as well i think that's the biggest thing is you know most of us are starting out on a really lean budget when we are starting our show whether we're starting a blog what whether we're starting our instagram account um whatever it might be but if you are going to treat it as a business and you are going to treat it as something you want to monetize in the future and make money from, then you do need to invest in it a little bit in order to get started. I saw you were on that clubhouse chat that we had um, with Jen Ruiz and Jesse from Jesse Festa. And they had a great point about being saying, okay, if this is going to be something that you spend money on instead of going out and having drinks, then you're going to go a lot farther with it than you are by saying, I'm not going to invest in it at all. So adding a little bit of money, as you said, with ads um, is does kind of push it a little bit farther and a little bit faster. Uh, you can do something totally for free, but it is going to take a lot longer. It just depends, I guess, what your ultimate goal is. If it's if it is just a hobby and it's something you enjoy on your spare time, or if it is kind of something you want to see growing as a business down the line. You have to go on these different apps, and there's so many now that I can't even keep up with. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, you mentioned Jen Ruiz. She was the one that invited me on. So mm-hmm. I thank Jen if you're watching. Thank you very much for that. Um, <laughs> so we did it. She brought me onto a panel. We did something about budget travel. Then I observed and I went on a couple of others for a couple of days. I just couldn't get a feel of it. You know, um, it, I just felt there was quite a lot. Of, the one I went on with Jen was fantastic because it was quite, it was very well structured, but all the others, I just felt mm. as though well, you're just going on there and people were just trying to promote themselves nonstop. And I just didn't like it. Even if you don't like it, uh, you have to go on there. But saying all that, would you say concentrate on maybe one platform or two platform rather than 15? Because you're spreading yourself thin, aren't you then? I would say. Absolutely. I, one of the biggest lessons I learned, especially when I was rebranding this, you know, uh, Alex on the map has only existed for about a year, actually. So when I first got started rebranding, re-going through everything, of course, I wanted to do absolutely every single thing that I could in order to make it a success. So I was making uh, courses. I was on Every single, I was on TikTok, I was on absolutely every YouTube, every single platform that I possibly could. And it took me about 
a month before I realized this is not going to work. And I, again, I'm an introvert. I burn out so quickly. I burn out like in a week. So the biggest thing I had to learn for myself is to say, okay, I can take on three things and solely focus on three things, grow those three things, and then I will move on. And I had a great business coach, uh, Gloria Tonmo from The Blog Abroad. And she just took off this past year. Um, like at the time, I think I was, pay- again, talking about investing, paying like $100 or something a month for her wisdom and her business coaching. And now it's like $10,000 a month or something like that. She just blew up. But um, anyway, speaking of, again, putting in the time and putting in the consistency, she's one of those. But again, coming down to choosing those three platforms is saying, who is my audience and where do I want my audience to come from? So for me, it was definitely the blog. I love writing. I love helping people plan their trips. Um, it, nothing makes me happier when someone emails me or sends me a message and says, Hey, you know, what can I do to make this trip more fun and entertaining? And that's something I love. So um, I focused on that. I love talking to people, um, talking to strangers, even though I'm an introvert. So I have a podcast. So I focus on the podcast and my Instagram account. Those are the three things that I just focus on. And that's all I do anymore. And my Instagram account grew insane amount last year because I focused solely on that. And it again, the podcast grew a lot because I focused only on that. And again, I was able to implement SEO in a better way to my own site than I wouldn't have been if I had been too focused on other things. So I really think getting to that point and saying these three things and then feeling satisfied before moving on can really help you establish your brand and also keep you from just like dying and burning out, which I'm so good at. So yes, (laughs) that's my advice. Since I've been doing concentrating on, I I would almost say I've concentrated more on my youtube stuff mm-hmm. in the last six months rather than i think i've almost given up on all the other platforms mm-hmm. well not given up it's still there um but something like when another app comes out you know clubhouse which we've just mentioned that's come out mm-hmm. you know it, it can be a bit of a i guess you've got to get your name in there and stuff but then who's your audience mm-hmm. who do you want to attract and as, as i just said to you you know, if I'm look, looking to attract big mm-hmm. TV, they're not going to be on. I guess they might be on club, you know, places like Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. But eventually, what they're going to look at is what 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 have you got to show us? Give us your, mm-hmm. you know, interviews or whatever. You know, if if you want to be someone on the road interviewing people, show us that. Concentrate on a few things, and then hopefully mm-hmm. you reap the rewards from it. You mentioned um, you had like an eating disorder. Why was it important for you to share those stories? Mm-hmm. And w- do, do you get people coming up to you saying, you, you know, you've helped me through this, you know, reading your blog or reading this article that you've written has really helped because, you know, I, I can feel as if I can be open. Absolutely. I, you know, I think back to when I first probably developed an eating disorder and I think I was around 13 and it's such a uncomfortable, unfortunate time to begin with. And it is just ripe for people who feel insecure about their bodies. It's just, especially as a young girl. And 
I, when I put stuff out there, I think of that 12 year old, 13 year old me who was sitting there and just miserable, 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 um, with who she was. And if someone I think like me had shown that 12 year old, 13 year old girl that it really doesn't matter. And you're going to be able to do all these cool things with your life. You're going to be able to try amazing foods around the world. You're going to start a blog and a company that's your, you know, on your own, you're going to feel accomplished in other ways than just how you look. Um, so I try to keep that in mind, especially because the age that social media anymore uh, just skews so young. So there are, there's just so much more. Um, when I was 12, we didn't have Instagram, you know? <laughs> so it's even more overwhelming, I think, now than it was then. Um, it's not easy for me to put myself out there. I don't love saying I had an eating disorder and I suffer from anxiety and depression. I don't love sharing that. Um, but it has helped me also come to terms with it myself um, by saying this is something that I struggle with. This is a weakness of mine and it's okay to share. And I do hear probably from at least two or three people once a week saying, thank you for sharing this. And thank you for putting this out there. I also suffered an eating disorder. I know someone who suffered from an eating disorder. Um, this is a big problem. And so that in itself is enough for me to, to continue to do it. Um, and just knowing that maybe I can affect someone and make them feel a little bit better. That's, that's really it at the end of the day. So, well, it's very courageous. And you've just mentioned something else that I didn't know, you know, anxiety and depression, mm -hmm. you know, those mm -hmm. are, these are topics where it, once upon a time, it was all a taboo, wasn't it? You don't talk about mm -hmm. these things at all. You know, mm -hmm. I, 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 spoken to a lot of american guests and they've and the the british society now we we sort of encourage people to discuss their you know issues mentally and stuff and you get time off from what if you've got problems you know at home mm -hmm. or anything we tell them you know take time off you know it's absolutely fine uh but i think i've spoken to americans i've said you don't you know if you if you show that it's, it's classed as weakness in some respects mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. For you to sort of, I guess, uh, an American audience, American society, to to show that side of yourself is actually better for kids growing up to say, you know what, we can be open, you know, yeah. uh, we're an open society these days. And it will help in the long term, as I said to you, you know, people, society will become more and more used to the, used to talking about these things, sorry, and not feel uncomfortable. So for you to talk about your depression, your anxiety, your, um, eating disorder mm. it's a very admirable thing to do as i said to you you know you, you're not going to be you know you're not going to people aren't going to come to you and say well why, why are you doing this yes and it definitely when i was growing up and coming from a small town in montana um what i don't know if it was like the pioneer attitude or something because my family was midwesterners forever they had the like fifth generation montana and like they were ranchers cowboys that kind of thing so it was a very, it's a very like, you don't air your dirty laundry. Like you don't share your weaknesses. You don't do that. And it took me a long time to kind of get over that and say, you know what? There are young kids. I was one of them 
who had depression and anxiety and an eating disorder. And I wish someone would have aired their dirty laundry and been like, you know what, you're going to get to adulthood and you're still going to suffer from it, but it's going to be better. Um, so I think thinking back to those people who actually need it and like you said, creating a more open society, Americans were horrible at that. We're really bad because it might affect your employment or it might affect your relationships. Um, it's still seen as a stigma and I definitely think that it's gotten better, but it is a process and I think it will take a long time for that kind of just to work itself out. Yeah. I think the other problem as well is the, uh, again, this is just observation and people telling me that the society is built on you live to work. And if you Mm -hmm. show, I guess, weakness, you know, you could be replaced quite easily. And I've heard, you know, you take a vacation and you're worried about someone taking your position, you know, you Mm -hmm. shouldn't have to, think like that again the, the british society or the european even the australian you know you've got we get a lot of time off you know a lot of people a lot of companies will give them six to eight weeks sometimes 12 weeks you know and you tell an american that and you're like i only get three days off throughout the year and you're like you're like what three days off and so it's again it's that cultural society that mm-hmm. um, how do you change that mentality so again you you being very open will hopefully help. I guess you class yourself as a solo female traveler, don't you? Trying to mm-hmm. encourage people to, well, females to travel solo, mm-hmm. uh, be fearless. What made you decide again? Is this because mm-hmm. of the fact that you grew up introverted? Is is that the reason why you started solo traveling? It, definitely. I also, even though I'm introverted, I'm also very independent. Um, that is something that I moved to New York City by myself from a small town. Um, I moved to Italy twice um, by myself, just completely knowing no one. And um, once, you know, for a job, once just because I wanted to. Um, I backpacked solo by myself. So I enjoy spending time. Again, that comes down to the introversion. I enjoy spending time by myself. And I didn't want that to be a deterrent of whether I was going to travel or not. Um, so traveling solo for me was a great experience. I loved it. Um, but honestly, you know, it's funny because Alex on the map is somewhat solo travel, but it's kind of funny because my husband Daniel came along pretty quickly after I had started the whole solo female travel thing. <laughs> So he was, um, and you know, he and I both love to travel. So it became kind of like, okay, I do my independent thing and I'll go on press trips without him and things like that as well. But mostly we do travel together anymore. So um, we thought about starting a couple travels blog. But we're yeah, both, that's yeah. what I was going to ask you actually, because the question just came into my head. I've no, never asked you this. Would you Would you not want to start a couple's travel blog on the, on the side? Because some people have done it, but then I guess it's a lot of work though, isn't it? It's, it's a lot of work. And, you know, the thing is, too, is we're both like we both work in a similar industry. Daniel works in SEO. Um, but and we did. We totally thought we love working together. Um, you know, we'll work. I'll edit his stuff and, you know, he'll look at my stuff as well. We we work really well together. Um, but we definitely thought about it. We we're like, let's start a couple's travel blog. Why not? And then but is that independence factor again? where we like having our own projects too. So we might 
have people come in and we might have, you know, say, Hey, Daniel, take a look at my SEO strategy real quick. Um, and then he might say, Hey, Alex, will you edit my comic book for me? So we have our independent projects that we like working on, but we also come together and work on those things together as well. Can I ask you about your Instagram lives and podcasts that you started? How, how do you find doing those? So the podcast itself, I know you said you don't really well with it. So you got that, those two, they're very different, aren't they? Obviously doing the lives and doing the recorded is, is completely different. It is, you know, I think, uh, having some body language is really interesting when you're talking to someone. I enjoy that aspect. Um, I've loved both in different ways. Your interviews are slightly different, as I'm sure you know, when you're just doing audio versus when you're just, you're doing video and audio. Um, I really enjoyed it because, again, I'm an introvert. So it allows me to be social for about 30 minutes and then turn it off and be like, thanks. That was great. Like, I enjoyed talking to you. And I, again, like learning, learning. I'm always learning from people that I talk to. And again, the podcast is great because I just, again, uh, you talk to someone for an hour and then you're done. So it's really having that social interaction on my own schedule that makes me happy. Um, but also learning because each guest I bring on, I try to add some value to someone who's listening, whether they're through the lives um, on video or whether through, they're through the podcast as well. Um, some guests I think have been more successful than others because I just put it out there and I said, whoever wants to sign up, you're welcome to. Um, and so some have been more successful than others, I would say, uh, for the podcast, I feel like every guest I've absolutely loved, um, because it is a little bit more in depth, I think, than getting on live Instagram live for 30 minutes and being done. But the podcast, you have to look over things a little bit more. You have to prepare a little bit more, I think. Um, but yeah, I've, I've loved all of it. Um, again, mostly focusing on the podcast right now, but again, once that season is done, um, then I'm going to start making video again and then just kind of alternate. So I'm looking forward to doing more Instagram lives, even if they're just with Daniel and I hanging out, which I kind of enjoy the most to be fair. <laughs> so, Do you know what, one of the things with the, the podcast or any of the, the shows, I guess it's the, again, the meaning behind doing it, you see. So mm -hmm. uh, I have to explain my reasons of doing it. I, I guess what you, what is your ultimate goal? Whenever you start a podcast or whenever you start, mm -hmm. you, the question will always be, what is your reasoning behind it? You see, are you trying to inspire? Are you trying to mm -hmm. build a community? Are you trying mm -hmm. to get a job out of it? Things like that. So there's got to be a reasoning behind it, I think, for it to become successful. When I first started it, it was really just to network more um, and to meet like-minded people as yeah. well. Because I think during this time, it's been really isolating. Um, so I think in that way, it's been really good to connect with people either through podcasting or as you've done with lives, it's kind of fulfilled that need for me to network and to meet new people. So for me, when I started it out at first, it was really just to build more of a community and to feel like, okay, I've got uh, some people that I know, um, in the industry, things like that as well. And I've worked in the industry a long time, but I did want to meet other travel bloggers. Uh, I have mostly worked with people who were either Instagram influencers or they were, um, 
bloggers or something like that, but they weren't necessarily like the kind of travel blogger I wanted to be. Um, so I really just started also talking to people I admired as well and who I thought did a really good job of being authentic and uh, really provide value to their readers. Um, so that's really why I started it. But it kind of grew into something where it, I think it does provide a lot of inspiration for people um, because they feel like they can go out and actually live their dreams, whether it is as a digital nomad or whether it's as a blogger um, or even just a traveler as well. So that's kind of the ultimate goal is for people to feel inspired at the end of the day. One thing I've picked up as well is is if it, the travel community is actually very small. The, mm-hmm. the bloggers, the journalists, you know, I, I might might have spoken to so-and-so, oh, I know that person. I, I've realized how actually small it is. It's true. It's kind of funny too, because even, um, you know, I used to work as an editorial manager for a travel publication before I, I really started or got deep into Alex on the map. And some of that was definitely crossover. You know, it was like, okay, you know, I know this person as the editorial manager of this travel publication, but not as a blogger. So making that transition was a little bit interesting as well. So, but you're right. It's a really small community. Your hobbies. Now you're, you love pizza and Seinfeld. <laughs> so did the pizza come from Italy or were you a pizza lover beforehand? Oh, I was a pizza lover beforehand. I don't think I actually knew what pizza was though. until I went to Italy and then I just grew from there. Uh, yeah. I make sure to have pizza once a week. It's, it's a staple. It's like in my, my I, diet, my food pyramid diet. <laughs> I suffer from a dairy intolerance. So for years, for like 10 years, I couldn't eat pizza properly because <laughs> you can't have pizza without the cheese. So now you can have vegan cheese or dairy-free mm-hmm. cheese. So I guess it's still not the same, but I can have pizza now. Mm. And again, since we went into the lockdown period, again, pizza has been off, but I, I am craving a pizza. So if you can send one through from New York to me, that would be fantastic. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Where do you see yourself in the next, uh, so let's just say this, well, this year, actually, 2021? That's a great question. I think because of what's going on in the world right now, um, again, keeping that consistency in mind, I think it's really easy right now for people to feel uh, disheartened, um, for people to feel very, uh, like they worked. I I know I feel this way. I like they worked very hard in order to establish their brand and their business. And now as a travel blogger, things are a lot more difficult. Um, I am just keeping on consistency. And if I get through this year with a season of a podcast and with content that is doing well, I'm going to be happy. Um, For me personally, I think continuing to grow in other ways. I'm learning German as a language. Um, Just I love languages. That's a hobby, speaking of. By the way, Schnee, is that French? It's German, actually. Oh, so German. Oh, okay, German. So, but is your family from a German background then? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> we thought we were. Um, it was a whole thing. We thought we were German for you know because of the last name, which actually means snow in German. So, um, and that's kind of what we just figured. And then we did the ancestry DNA thing, and 
Um, I am almost all Irish and Scottish and a little oh. bit of British. You are one of us then. Yes, I am. I'm just, you know, but it makes sense. I could definitely see like my ancestors doing some shady stuff coming into Ellis Island and changing their names and things like that. <laughs> so, but yeah, that, so that was an interesting thing to, to learn as well. But, um, well, Alex, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you very much for your time. And I'll speak to you very soon. Awesome. Thanks, Shabs. You can follow my guests on all of their social media platforms. The details are in the description. That's it for Take a Wonder with Shebs. Don't forget to follow me on all of my social media platforms. Until next time, bye for now.